0: So I will sometimes guilt myself into working out, and then on days I do like go for a run, I'm like, yeah, this is what I do. This is who I am. I'm a physically fit person. This is what physically fit people do. It's kind of like what Atomic Habits talked about, I think. Welcome to the Thrive T Lab, the podcast playing the tips, tricks, and methods of getting stuff done to the test. I am your host, Kyle. I'm Mark. And today we are recording with two special co-hosts. My two dogs are in the same room with me right now since my partner is out for the morning and I'm now on dog duty and I don't want to put them in the kennel because I have a busy day today and I'll be in the kennel all day. Oh, and there they go. So pardon the dogs chiming in occasionally. (laughs) They're just going to be, they're excited about the book. (laughs) Yes, they are. Today we are talking about the book *Grit* by Angela Duckworth. It is a uh, really insightful book, I think. But before we get to our thoughts, let's get down to what we've been up to. Mark, how have you been?
1: I've been uh, in, a, in, a, in a rut, I guess. Um, I've mm. been working on things, but it's been slow and steady. So um, mostly been working on short story revisions for weighted. Um, so that's kind of going along slowly. But uh, interesting to see my revision process or going back through reading it changing things that don't make sense to me, uh, but also trying to keep the larger thing in mind and foreshadowing and all this other stuff. So uh, that's been an interesting process. Um, Did some video edits, planning and execution. So planning out the remainder of 2020 and 2021 for my self-publishing edits then just reading, not just Grit, but a couple other self-help books that I've read as well. So it's been pretty low-key um, outside on the side project front because the day job has been uh, pretty busy, pretty some long late nights for me at work, which kind of quells any interest to do anything afterwards. So that's kind of what I've been up to you. What about yourself? Uh, Yeah, so... Other
0: than watching the dogs all weekend, Um, my partner's been out of town all weekend. (laughs) As I scurry around the house, this is gonna be a fun recording. (laughs) Uh, I've been working on uh, restarting the project I worked on during my July NaNoWriMo. I'm doing it for real this time, doing NaNoWriMo. I wrote something called the foundational draft, is what I call it. Some people call it it a zero draft, but I call it foundational draft because it is very bare bones and compared to the full scope of everything. And it just was there to kind of give me a feel of the setting and the characters. So I started working on that again with a daily goal of 500 words per work day. So Monday through Friday. But I tend to write just under 1,000 because I find that about 500 words is what's needed for uh, getting my flow state going. And then I could finish a scene after that or get to a stopping point in the scene. So I've been working on that. I have not been editing the show because as everybody who's listening to this knows, I lost an episode. (laughs) So, <laughs> yeah, uh, that was really embarrassing. I've been podcasting for, I don't know, four mm-hmm. or five years now. Never lost an episode ever. And then all of a sudden, Audacity just betrayed me, which is uh, has been a trusty, a trustworthy uh, recording companion for all these years. And then even like as I switched to better uh, editing services, like Hindenburg, which I'm using now, I still depend on, on Audacity for recording since it does multi-channel recording which uh, is good for everyday superhumans whenever we go to a place in person. But for some reason, the project files were corrupted. And I guess my dogs are mad at it, too. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that they had all morning to play and I chose now to play. <laughs> you know, the universe aligns, weirdly. Uh, really. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday, we were lazy all day. Me and my, uh, my dogs and I were just, like, hanging out in the living room. While I was playing the new Mario or the re-release of all the Mario games of the 3D All-Stars. <laughs> And they were napping all day. I guess they napped so well that they are getting out all the energy that we charged right now. Yeah. So I will be muting my side during this recording so that way while Mark's talking there won't be dogs barking. But I can't guarantee anything when I'm talking. (laughs) Anyways, yeah, I've been mostly working on that and then I lost the episode, which sucks. Maybe one of these days I'll get around to re-record it. Uh, But until then, uh, you guys just have to live with that void. It's kind of a continuation of what we talked about with the Exist episode anyways. So if you listen to the exist episode, do you kinda of get some hints for like what we would have talked about in the episode? And yeah, unfortunately it's gone, but that's what you got to do. Yeah. Uh yeah. Uh, it's been that mostly. And yeah, just writing and getting mad at Audacity. And lots
1: of reading too. Yeah. Um it it was just the last sprint of the end of the month, so for we'll get into it, but I had the last sprint of reading i didn't actually read most of this month surprisingly um i've just like i said i've been in a rut uh but yeah yeah interesting uh moving along to grit the book review so kind of uh give a synopsis of what the book is about it is starts with Angela Duckworth uh, is the author and the synopsis is why do people succeed and others fail? Sharing new insights from her landmark research on grit. MacArthur genius Angela Duckworth explains why talent is hardly a guarantor for of success. I cannot read. (laughs) Rather, other factors can be even more crucial, such as identifying our passions and following through on our commitments. So that's, and I, I'll cut it off there because the, the blurs are mm-hmm. pretty long, but, uh, this was, a pretty popular, uh, and, and highly reviewed, book when it came out, uh, in it's, uh, you know, heyday. So what were your thoughts on the book?
0: Well, I've been wanting to read this book for a while because yeah, it was a pretty popular book when it came out. Angela Duckworth is a, as far as I understand, she's a very accomplished psychologist. Uh, she's a former lawyer. I forgot what it was. She, she like worked like a big office job, then she became a teacher, and then she, then she became a researcher in psychology. She's had three different careers in her whole life, and now she's also doing a podcast with uh, Stephen Dubner, I think. Stephen Dubner of economics. They have a uh, podcast together. I forgot what it's called. I'll link to it in the show notes, or I guess Mark will. I think he's editing this up <laughs> I've been wanting to read this book for a while. I've heard it referenced in plenty of other books we've read either for the show or for fun. Uh, For example, she referenced uh, Carol DeWick in this, in her book who wrote the book Mindsets, which I believe that she referenced Angela Duckworth in her book. So there's like this like niche of like, uh, I guess it's a pop psychology niche, I guess. (laughs) That's the best way to put it. And this is a pop psychology book and, the joke about things like pop psychology and sociology studies is that like give it five years and it'll be invalidated. But I haven't heard anything in invalidating this book just yet. It seems to be pretty uh, solid in what it is, which is, as Mark was saying earlier, it's pretty much the, the uh, it's an argument for uh, that intelligence isn't everything and what really matters is self-discipline and grit is what is the driving factors for uh, most successful people. Uh, she even credits herself saying like that I wasn't really the highest scoring student in school, uh, but I stuck to everything, which is what she kind of finds grit as, which is the ability to stick to something through the thick and thin, through the boring and the exciting, past the phase, and just turning it into a routine. In a sense, this is kind of the yeah. precursor to our favorite book on the show, yeah. Atomic Habits.
1: Um, I would agree with that. When reading through the book, the... It immediately hit me of Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Have you ever Uh, read that? I haven't read that, no. Okay. Uh, Pretty much the same concept, right? Why are people who are successful, successful? And it's things outside of their control. It's a little bit uh, a different face uh, of that same coin, if you will. But it's a little bit of, you know, Bill Gates wouldn't be where he was if he didn't just so happen to grow up within this uh, area or period
0: mm-hmm. in
1: which someone allowed him to access you know the computer labs for him to learn or if you were born within this certain year range uh, then it means that you have a whole year's worth of growth compared to others who were born later Which you're stronger, you get picked more for the teams, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a lot of things outside of your control that contributes to your success. But uh, he also introduced the concept of 10,000 hours, right, to be good. And she talks about that a little bit in her book. She actually also references outliers. Uh, by Malcolm Gladwell in this book as well. But yeah, when I was initially started reading it, I had outliers in my head of oh, like, okay.
0: I had atomic um, habits in my head, but that's because I haven't read outliers.
1: <laughs> Interesting.
0: <laughs> this is actually one of those books where I feel like that we could talk about it very quickly because the topic itself is very simple. hmm. Yeah. Because like, unlike atomic Cabots, which has like methods, this book has more like evidence is what this book is all about. Yeah. Uh, for example, she talks to a bunch of athletes, uh, a bunch of business owners about like how they got to their stance. So in the book, she talks about uh, how grit, because is such like a uh, disciplined thing. We should have like some kind of top level goal to keep us going. Like what do you want your life to be like uh, or a life philosophy as she describes it as or as she quotes Peter Carroll who I don't know who that is off the top of my head, but somebody that she referenced in the book describes it as and uh, mm-hmm. and how the things that keep you going despite the rough days is your general belief on like how you should live your life. For example, I think that a good life is uh, a is consists of like a balance of creating and experiencing is what makes a good life to somebody. And you should always have those in like a certain like I don't know. Depending on like uh, like what you're up to, it's good to keep ideas and like, am I experiencing something today or am I creating something today? And I believe that a good life should be about 50-50 creating and experiencing. And by experiencing, I mean like new experiences, like not just like watching your favorite episode of Parks and Recreation over and over again. You should check out a new show and then maybe like record a new podcast the next day to bounce out. Like yesterday was a very lazy day. I just... Uh, I read half of this book called The Murderbot Diaries, which is like a comedy action sci-fi that people are all all about now. Uh, I got halfway through it. It's a short book, 100 pages. And then uh, I played a bunch of Mario Galaxy. And then today I've been creating more. I've been uh, cooking my meal prep for the week and I'm recording this. And in a sense, I have D&D on after this. And I'm both creating and experiencing something when I play D&D. Uh, what my character does in the game, but I'm also experiencing the story that our DM is trying to tell. So it's a good 50-50 divide, and that's my life philosophy, and that's why I'm so motivated to write right now because I want to write, I want to create something that's been in my head for the past 10 years. And I feel like that would be giving myself a disservice if I don't uh, write this thing at least once. And then I'm trying to read more at the same time to experience other books and how other authors work. And then I apply that to my writing, so it kind of becomes this loop, and that's my life philosophy. That's not your life philosophy. That's not the listener's life philosophy. That is the one that drives me, and that's how I tell myself, like, okay, I'm going to write 500 words today at the very minimum because I want to create this thing uh, so far other people experience. Yeah. So yeah, the life philosophy is what she recommends as everybody should have or a mission statement for. Uh, why you do things that you do. It, it could change if you if you want as well. Maybe you start out with like, I'm going to travel everywhere, then you had enough of that. And then you change it to, I'm going to help out my my community. And then you start volunteering more. They can change. But something kind of North Star.
1: Yeah, I kind of came across this where, you know, I never actually sat down to define the thing. But it wasn't until I was coming ac- across... Um, things from a career perspective, or I have my own personal Ikigai moment. Um, so Ikigai, uh, for those that don't know, is a Japanese concept, meaning a reason for being. And so you kind of converge four things together to determine what gives you the most passion or you're excited about. And it's the, those four items are passion is what you love, your mission is what the world needs, your vacation is what you're good at and your profession is what you get paid for. And so I kind of went through all of that to determine, OK, these are the things that I want to do. And when I came across the para method in organizing and structuring everything for myself, there's the area of responsibility, um, the this, this sphere of things that you want to maintain, lifelong things, not not goals, but just. Things in general that that you want to maintain or or keep Mm -hmm. your life things, if you will. And so health, obviously. Right. Everyone wants to ensure that that they're healthy and things. And so you break down of what are the things that you're trying to maintain there. Traveling is another Um, actually just I posted my Instagram story because I grabbed a traveler's journal to document all my traveling and then COVID. Um, <laughs> so I only got like one entry in there. Um, and then everything else has, has been like all brushed aside, any trips that I was planning with friends and everything else. So that's one. Another is writing, for example, lifelong writing. And then I break out. What are the things that I'm doing to, to Work on that. So, you can have multiple areas of, I guess, focus, if you will, but those are the particular things that, that you add that passion to. Um, like I said from Ikigai, when you break that down into those areas your passion, what you're good at, et cetera, et cetera, you can then kind of create that thing that you want to maintain throughout your life. And therefore, you're, you're more apt to continue it. You're more apt to dive into it, to study it, to learn it, to continue to work on it because you're also passionate about it. And it's not something that you're forced or having to do. We were talking about this a little bit yesterday in which I have have gone to school and my initial thought was like, uh, you know, post, post uh, high school and going to college was it doesn't fit for some people. It didn't fit for me. And, and when looking back, that was because what I was going to school for was something that I didn't really want to do. Um, and it was just more something that I felt that I had to do to kind of, um, be practical. I've taught, I've talked about this in um, um, an episode that I did actually recently, this entire topic, really, uh, episode I did on my, uh, uh, other podcast in which, you know, are we too old to dream? And and I wrote an essay about this years ago as well, in which when I finally declared myself a writer, because you also have this sense of, oh, you needed to be professionally published to be a writer. You need to have a start, you know, all this other ridiculous stuff that kind of keeps you from it. But once you dispense of all of that and went and uh, Angela Duckworth, she talks about this in a book where she has talked with people or interviewed people which found their items later in life. And like it took them 40 years to discover the thing that they want to do. And I think for a lot of people like that, it's you experiment with everything. And you can compile and stack all those skills to apply to the thing that you want to do. But then for a lot of us, me included, we were we've chosen avenues and paths that were predefined for us. And because it was deemed practical and to not go off and do, you know, this this other thing that you're really passionate about that you want to explore more because it's not practical and it won't make you money. Therefore, don't do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Which, I mean, there is a level of practicality to it. Like we both are passionate about writing, but most writers don't get paid that much. So yes, even like professional writers don't get paid that much. Uh, it's, it's a really, it's a power distribution when it comes to that. Uh, there was another, which book was on, was it, it was a Cal Newport book. I guess it was so good. They can't ignore you. I believe he talks about there's two different kinds of fields I can't think of what they are at the top of my head. I have read wise up maybe I could find it in my notes. So I'm talking about it. Uh, but it was like that there's, there's like fields like where it's like follows more of a bell curve. And then there's fields like where it follows more of a power distribution. Uh, I can't remember which one. He, I think he mentioned like the superstar effects, which is where you become uh, one of the more, what well, like one of the, I think he says, I get go after fields that have superstars in it, which are fields that have, uh, uh, more of a power distribution to them uh, versus uh, fields that are more of a bell curve where uh, there's not that much room for, I guess growth. I know I'm trying to recall a book I read like five years ago right now. So (laughs) Uh, either way, uh, there's like different paths you can take and uh, depending like what kind of person you are, if you're high risk, it's better to do uh, more of like a bell curve distribution. Oh, did I say high risk? If you're low risk, it's better to like a, 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 bill curve distribution field and, uh, the, uh, and then, uh, if you're more high risk and willing for more, uh, volatile, uh, stuff in your career, then you chase things with, uh, with a power distribution. So writing is power distribution. And then, uh, the, uh, for example, I'm a utility engineer. It's a pretty safe field. There's hardly any superstars in my field. It's a really safe steady field, but I will never become a millionaire unless I change over to business in this field. Uh, more than likely,
1: and start doing things on the business side. Yeah, like I'm in a pretty safe field. There's a yes. Uh, there's a whole conversation to be had about where investments are being made, right? Um, like no. <laughs> uh, for example, um, I've been contemplating actually going back for long career, long term life career path, and everything because um, I initially wanted to do it, but I then switched. So I initially wanted to go for English degree for writing and, and, and everything else, like that classical l- literature. But then I didn't, and I instead went for computer science. That was the thing, but I didn't, I didn't really like it or want to do it. Um, and it showed in my schoolwork because I just had no passion for it. But it's part of that, like, No one goes to get a master's in English to become a teacher because you, and get paid $30,000 a year to do it. That's why you have a teacher crisis, uh, a shortage, right? It's where investments are being made. Most, uh, when, you, when you're talking about college, is pretty much to go train specifically for the skills that companies need or want to pay for. And that kind of squashes uh, a lot of things that people want because we don't necessarily invest in the arts, if you will, but that's a whole other side conversation that can be had. But it is interesting, right? In which one of the quotes, the first quotes that I highlighted in the book, and it came on page eight, which, which for me gave me everything that I needed for, from this book, um, was the quote was, it was this combination of passion and perseverance that made High Achievers special. In a word, they had grit, right? passion and perseverance
0: yeah which is easy to say it's definitely easy to say passion and perseverance but a lot of people have passion the perseverance is the hard part to work on which is where i think uh having things like time tracking is really helpful because you could actually keep active logs on that and reflecting on it to see okay how much work did i put on this project today or this week or this month or even this year and uh see if you want to rebalance it like i've started doing this for mm-hmm. Uh, writing. I now do a daily word count spreadsheet just to keep myself accountable for that. I am working towards these goals and I'm not going like, Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Like I have to do, I tell myself, I'm not allowed to play any video games after work until after I write at least 500 words. Or if I do play video games beforehand, just like rewind for or unwind from my uh, work day, I will set a timer for no more than about 30 minutes just to kind of like unwind that way. And then I get back to writing and then I could return back to the game. Just having that small goal makes a huge difference. So like using habit trackers is very important for that reason. And it's great to even like kind of connect your identity to your habits because then it feels like you're robbing yourself of your identity. If you, if you skip out on it and it feels like you're growing yourself as a person, if you, if you do it. So for example, uh, physical fitness is probably the like at least top five, uh, parts of my core identity. And if I skip a workout on the day that I plan on doing a workout, I'm like, oh no, I am, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of uh, going against of who I think I am. So I will sometimes guilt myself into working out. and then days I do like go for a run. I'm like, yeah, this is what I do. This is who I am. I'm a physically fit person. This is what physically fit people do. It's kind of like what Atomic Habits talked about, I think.
1: Yeah. I was, I was just about to say that this is why you have atomic habits because he, he speaks specifically about changing the mindset to be the thing that you want to be the habit. Right. So it, it's not that in his example, one of the examples was quitting smoke, smoking, um, instead of saying, Oh, you know, I, I'm whatever. Just say what, what is a smoker, non-smoker do? They don't smoke or, uh, what does if you if you keep telling yourself, oh I'm bad with money, then you're gonna be bad with money, right? What do people who are good with money do? So say I'm good with money and it changes your mindset to behave that way and think what does a person that's good with money do? They don't buy on impulse, they don't buy on emotion, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So like if you if you want to lose weight, yeah, that's a nice goal, but you need to change it to the overall life state. I'm a person who's into fitness. What do people who are into fitness do? They work out, right? Um, so when you were explaining that, I'm like, yes, I definitely see why uh, you're heavily pulling Atomic Habits. Actually, this is like a whole agamation of books that we can pull specifically that we've <laughs> reviewed. Atomic Habits. Uh, ultra learning when she talks about the learning aspect and how to drill and work on your weaknesses and et cetera, et cetera. That's all from from ultra learning book that we had.
0: I think this book was first. So I feel like these are built upon the foundation of this book and her research. Uh, I was just actually thinking like if I were to like recommend three books for anybody to read to like change their lifestyle, I'd start with this book. Then I'd recommend after that Atomic Habits and after that I'd recommend Deep Work. By Cal Newport, which is the one we haven't read in the show yet. Oh no, we but have those three it together. Feels like I those, have <laughs> <laughs> those three books in the together. I think would be the the three books to read to pivot your life to a different direction or uh, take the next step and whatever journey you're on right now. That's what that's what yeah. I, uh, I'd recommend if I were to say, "Hey, here's your uh, get things in order starter pack. <laughs>
1: These are the three books." I would I would do the same, and actually, the I've recommended Atomic. Uh, of course, I always recommend Atomic Habits. Um, I've recommend recommended that book nonstop, and I really took to Ultra Learning as well. But yeah, the um this uh this book may have pre- preceded theirs. Um, I think ca- so. I can't remember when Atomic
0: Habits is brand new. This one came out maybe 2016, 2015, I think. Let me see. Grits. Deckworth, 2016, okay, 2016, May 3rd. Yeah. And Atomic Habits I came got out there 2019, from my I think. Self. And then Ultra Learning around the same time too. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, one thing that also stuck with me through this, talking about Atomic Habits, <laughs> is uh, uh, in, this, uh, in Atomic Habits, James Clear mentions uh, that the thing that I think that distinguishes like the successful people from the non-successful people isn't or is it is, is tolerating the busy uh, the boring days. That is the thing that distinguishes the, the successful people from mm-hmm. the non-successful people. That's really stuck with me since that book. Because I'm like, yeah, I'm bored today. or like, I'm in a bad mood today. I don't feel like doing it. But I'm like, well, yeah. this is what distinguishes me. If I have this daily habit of doing this, that's going to make me X, X percent closer to my goals. And that's really built off the grit philosophy that uh, the perseverance. Like even if like, you're bored of it, just yeah. keep on going. Just keep on going and you'll eventually get to where you want to be. And... Uh, she talks about in the book this uh, it, the hard things rule, I think is what she calls it. That It's a rule that her family has where like every, I guess, semester of school since they base it off of uh, the kids' lives since they're parents, uh, the kids, her, her husband, all choose a hard thing that they want to learn and they have to stick with it for the entire semester. They can't change it. They could leave it the next semester if they don't want to do it, but they could at least stick with it to at least reinforce those grit muscles because no matter what you do, even if you're not really that passionate about it, if you're grateful about it, you're still building that muscle and that'll carry over to the next thing you do. And I think it's a really useful rule to live by. That might be fun to put into my own life. I do hard things rules every, every six months.
1: So it's still TBD, but yeah, I like I, yeah, I'm, I'm a person like that thinks still believe even after reading this that you still need to have some interest in it to do it. Um, people, and, and yeah, she talks about it in his studies and, and everything that shows that people are more successful if they actually have mm-hmm. any interest whatsoever in doing the thing that they're doing or Which to
0: the first half of the rule passion, right? And perseverance after that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's how you can get like uh, wildly different scores. If you take the grit test, if you're just choosing something generic, you may have like extremely low grit. But if you choose something that you actually have interest in and that you're doing and you answer those questions, then your grit score is going to be vastly different because of how you view that particular task. I may be more interested It's the same with work, and and we talked about it in an ultra-learning book review, right? Testing or working on your weaknesses. There is things at work where I may need to learn this or do more of it because we don't get it. So even though it sucks, you take the harder cases, the things that you don't know about because you learn so much more. And actually, that's kind of been the crux of my career as this is the first time I've been in a job where I'm not the only person that knows how to do what I do. My other, my other two uh, past two jobs, I was the only person. So there was no choice but to persevere through it, but to grind and learn all the difficult things and do the difficult things, fail, but then also say, as she says in the book, fail and then say, hmm, well, I'll try it a different way. Next time, right? So, yeah, it, it's, I, it, yeah, you still, you still need that. I, I definitely agree that you should try to definitely find something difficult to do. Yeah. Go for it. And if you don't succeed, like, don't say, Oh, I'm a failure. Say, What can I do next time to make it better? Or, you know, what can I try differently next time?
0: Or should I even pursue this anymore? Like, I tried. Maybe you go like, hey, yeah, I do want to do NaNoWriMo. I've always wanted to write a novel. Then you do it, and you're like, I hate every single day of it, and then this isn't really <laughs> something I want to do anymore. Don't keep on doing it. Just You did it once. You just did the hard things rule for a month, and then you're like, okay, well, that's it. I'm going to go and, I don't know, work on music production instead.
1: Yeah, it, it though it could be slightly against the grip model if you're constantly changing things to work on.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. That's like why our hard things rule is like six months yeah, or so. yeah. That way, you still because you can go all out for a month on a new project and then change it the next month, and then you'll just have a bunch of incomplete side projects and <laughs> none of them really blend together. It is good to stick with it for a few months for sure, just to build that muscle, which it yeah. is a muscle. It's a it's a form of it's a mindset, and uh, the uh, mindset is best reinforced through
1: daily practice. Absolutely, through daily practice. That I do not do daily, but I do practice.
0: so I will say uh, she lays out in her opinion the four steps it takes to develop grits since we're on this topic still Uh, is that she describes the first stage as interest uh, which she describes saying passion begins with interest enjoying what you do every gritty person I've studied can point to aspects of their work they enjoy less than others and most have uh, to put up with at least one or two chores they didn't enjoy at all nevertheless they're catered by the endeavor as a whole uh, then after that, she recommends practice, which is, I mean, the obvious thing, which is, yeah, practice daily. Uh, she has, she says daily discipline and trying to do uh, things better than we did yesterday, Yep. which fits another personal motto of mine, which is progress is progress. Doesn't matter if you've done 1% better or 100% better than you did yesterday, you're still making progress. Atomic
1: habits improve 1% every day.
0: And after that is purpose. Uh, you find purpose in your work through how well you do it and how you express yourself or Who you affect directly or indirectly? That is all about your purpose. Uh, For example, through everyday Superhumans, I met tons of people who their entire purpose is just to make the city of Austin a better place, and uh, that is very inspiring. And they probably don't get paid that much, but it's their life mission to I don't know anything from like uh, providing food to the elderly uh, if you're at Meals on Wheels and making their day that way, or replanting trees if you're part of Tree Folks, such as. A uh, great interview we did, too, where they just kind of restore green life here in Austin. Like, that's their goal. And they they might not have the highest earning cap, but sometimes happiness isn't about how much you earn. And then finally, she says hope, which is a weird word to use, uh, I think, because hope has, like, so many different meanings. And it kind of like, it's also very vague. Exactly. Uh, see, she says on here. Yeah, so from, she says hope is the ability I'm paraphrasing. From the very beginning to the very end, to uh, to uh, keep on going even when things are difficult, even when uh, you have doubts at various points in big ways and small, we can get knocked down. If we stay down, grit loses. If we get up, grit prevails. So it's the hope in yourself that you will overcome these obstacles. Like any good thing out there, you shouldn't be working for the end goal. You should be working because you enjoy it. It's hard to do with your daily job, but that's where hobbies come in, and that and you should at least uh, have something like that in your life yeah. and it might bleed over to your professional life as well. Like this is a, this is a big book. I think it's time to get down to final reviews and you have something else to say.
1: No, no final reviews. Okay.
0: It's good. All right. Like I said, there, this is a big book, but it could be expressed in a simpler way. Uh, we talked about this before in the podcast. That's nice. Publishers will ask for like 200 pages and you only have like a hundred pages of content. And I feel like that like a lot of books in this self-help and pop psychology sphere, uh, tend to fall into that rule yeah. because this is one of those books where she, uh, just interviews tons and tons of people, which is great for antidotal evidence, which is great for, uh, uh, just like motivating the reader. And she's a, she's a scientist and she even mentions like, I've only heard this antidotally, so don't take it as being proof that this thing works. I liked her really to admit when antidotal evidence is antidotal evidence and whenever hard evidence is hard evidence. I think that's a really good thing that all these authors should do. And I found that refreshing. But the book itself, I think, could have been maybe 50 pages shorter. <laughs> so my final thoughts to this book is good practice, good life philosophy. Uh, there are some things that we uh, didn't talk about, which I think uh, comes up a lot in these kinds of books, is uh, the survivorship bias. But she doesn't really talk about how to be successful. She just talks about how to be gritty. Uh, a lot of these books will throw in examples of like highly successful people without talking about the people that fell on the way as well. Uh, But her argument in this book isn't that you're going to become a millionaire practicing grits, just that you're going to enjoy your life more, which is, doesn't really require survivorship bias. So that, that passed that check of not, uh, of ignoring or of ignoring that, which most of these books do. Yeah. Uh, It was a very rational, but fun read. It wasn't hard to read. It was saying that I binge pretty quickly. Uh, could have been shorter during the last like section of the book. I was like, okay, I just want to get to the conclusion now. Uh, probably because he talks about parenting, Grit, and neither of us are parents, so it probably did not interest us that much. So my final score for this book is a 4 out of 5. It was good. I just think it was a bit long. I think you should still read it. Skip some chapters so they don't apply to you. I read every chapter, but I kind of sped-read the parenting chapters. uh, Mm -hmm. But I'd recommend read this book, read at least the first half, and then see the second half, which ones apply to you and which ones don't.
1: Okay, cool. For me, this was... The second book in our challenge where I broke my rule, forced myself to finish it. Oh, really? Yeah. For um, And that's not to say that it's a bad book. It isn't. Like I said, there's there's I have very positive things to say about the book, the content and everything else. But you hit the nail on the head. It was entirely too long for what you needed. Like I said, I got what I needed out of the book on page eight <laughs> uh, about what grit was. And the rest was nothing but um, like various stories and examples. And once she puts forth the argument and gives one example, I'm like, okay. And when I had the ebook, I started to just skim through the rest. I'm like, I don't need all these other examples. Um, I got it on the first one and then I moved to the next one. And then for me, it it took very hard for me to even turn the page even more. So I got the audiobook so I could at least <laughs> listen to it while working. Um, I still made notes uh, even with the audiobook version, but for me it was just very difficult to get through get through because it wasn't I felt it was entirely too long for what the point or conclusion of the book was. So my primary takeaway from the book was that talent is nothing without effort and grit is passion and effort. Yeah, that's the sole thing. I think if you don't, have... I think it's a, This was like nearly 400 pages, or was it that long? Like over. Oh wow, was it that long?
0: I'm like, there's something Goodreads now. Yeah. Goodreads. Uh, well, I mean, these nonfiction books have like huge appendices in the end. Yeah. So, uh, like I finished this book with like maybe 50 percent read on my Kindle. Okay. Yeah. It could be on. Like- there's so many fantasies in the end and acknowledgements and yeah i think i have it
1: marked at 403 pages so maybe around 360 or so but yeah it i just felt it was entirely too long i couldn't even finish the ebook so i burnt one of my audible credits to just listen to it (laughs) um but again that's not to say that it is a bad book i really like the concept and the things that they're talking about um i just felt it went on too long you could probably if you didn't want to spend 400 pages reading it you could probably just watch her ted talk um, and be done mm. with it.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, she has a TED talk.
1: Yeah. So it. I mean, it's. It's. I like the concept. I like the things that you talk about. And and the some of the stories and examples. I just felt there was way, way too many. And again, it's just.
0: Mm. <laughs> I know. I felt the same way too. There was. So this is one of those books where my Kindle estimated time to read to finish a different chapter really got corrupted from yeah. reading this book. Because I'd skim these pages and then like I'd pick up another book. And it's like, you only have 15 minutes to finish this chapter. And like, I, it starts adapting again. And it's like, actually, I mean, 25, actually, I mean, 35, actually, I mean, 40 minutes. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like how I knew that I was skimming a lot because like when she started getting to the interviews, I'm like, okay, skim, 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 skim. Okay. That's saying that she summarizes the interview with highlight that, go to the next one. <laughs> like, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. That's why I'm saying like that. If you read this book, do it a la carte, read the chapters that apply to you. If the chapter doesn't apply to you, skip to the next one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of my experience. We already talked about like some of the things and themes and thoughts uh, in this book. I, I liked, I liked the content that that was in the book. So I, I, I split into two, two, um, uh, ratings to come to a final (laughs) Um, rating. Just like
0: we did with getting things done. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So my reading experience, I would not have finished this book otherwise, because I got what I needed out of it very early. Uh, my reading experience would have been a two, but I like the con content and the things that that is being discussed in the book and how you can apply those. And, and like we we mentioned, other books that you can use, you can read grit, and then you can take these other books that that we've recommended and reviewed on the, on this very show to then do application of that. And so that gets a four regarding the the themes and content within a book to bring it to an overall three uh, for me. So a three out of five is my final uh, rating. Mm.
0: Okay. I think that's a fair rating. Uh, no, yeah. But the second thing think these books is that sometimes the message is good, but the execution is either mm-hmm. sloppy or lo- or long. And uh, that's definitely uh, true to this one. And I think cause that's a very long book whenever it didn't have to be long. And I think, the insight you gave me in the audience a couple episodes ago about publishers having like X number of pages yeah. you have to write, uh, to sell this book, she probably finished the first chapter in hundred pages. And then they're like, you gotta get this thing to 300 pages. And like, she's like, Oh no, I'm going to interview a bunch more people. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not saying this is her fault. It's going to be the publisher's fault. But yeah, oh, yeah. I definitely, to,
1: to make it worthwhile for publishing, they have to have a minimum amount of, uh, word count. Yeah. So, yeah. To make it financially viable. So read
0: a la carte, read TLDRs online. Uh, I'd recommend giving this book a read if you haven't read anything like Atomic Habits before. Uh, I feel yeah. like that, I don't know what Atomic Habits did right, but like, I didn't hate a single page of that book. <laughs> like, I don't know. That, it's like the I. one book the, that we've read for the show where I didn't grow bored by the end because I just had to <laughs> fill in with interviews. I don't know what, if it's how he writes or he's like Atomic Habits
1: is pretty simple too. I think he just has good prose. <laughs> like. Yeah, I I think it's how he writes, because again, early on in this book for me, I was like, oh, I know the structure of this book already um, and I'm going to get tired of it very quickly. And I did.
0: Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, that's enough rambling about that.
1: Uh, Let's go on to our next topic. Do you want to introduce it, Mark? Uh, Yeah. So our next topic that we're going to be doing for the um, next two weeks and and we reconvening on episode 36 is no caffeine. That means- Yep, two weeks
0: of that (laughs) caffeine.
1: We talked about this before in a previous episode that we might do it. Two weeks, no caffeine, like no coffee, no tea, no no, no soda if you drink soda. I don't drink soda, Um, I only drink coffee, uh, tea and water. So Mm -hmm. it'll be caffeine free tea and water Mm -hmm. for me for the next two weeks. So it'll be interesting to see how this uh, affects our body Mm -hmm. And how this affects our productivity, uh, a lot of people rely on coffee to give them that mm. energy boost. And we kind of talked about this, uh, Cover some of the things in our natural wake, uh, our natural alarm clock episode, right? In which we went without an uh, alarm clock and just woke up naturally. I
0: guess we should put disclaimer that we're still practicing natural alarm clocks. So we yeah. will be fully or as well rested as our bodies will allow us to be in the next morning. And uh, so we'll yeah. not be waking up with like six hours of sleep because our alarm went off at 6 a.m. We'll be waking up at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. or 6 a.m. depending on where our bodies' pick that day because sometimes sicking rhythms can be weird. And uh, so it'll yeah. be different. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what to think. I just know I've been wanting to do this for a while. And since I just uh, gave myself uh, uh, a month of abstaining from alcohol, I'm like... Let's do abstain from caffeine for two weeks.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely interested. The last time I did this uh, was many years ago, and my coworkers told me to give them a warning. But now <laughs> that I work from home, um, <laughs> I don't have to interact with anyone in person. So I'm very interested to see how this goes, how this mm-hmm. affects my energy levels throughout the day. And uh, I can't wait for us to come back and talk about the results.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. So in the meantime, you could listen to our previous episodes at tpl.show or show. You could find us at either URL uh, or follow us on any of your favorite podcast players out there. You could follow us on Twitter at Productive Lab and Instagram at Productive Lab. We aren't really too active on social media, uh, mostly because I hate managing social media. (laughs) So I'm really bad at promoting new episodes. So if you only see like a title card that's teaching me that promoted the episode, if you see Mark does a little bit more work than I do. So we see like multiple cards that you Mike's work. <laughs> so you can follow us there. Uh, the best place to keep in contact with me though, is on my personal Twitter at Kyle S uh, Q nine. And you can also follow me on Instagram too, which I hardly post on, but I'll sometimes post pictures of my puppies on my story. Uh, and then you could also follow me on my personal website where I publish all my short stories, which is
1: at quadrant 9net Where can they find you Mark? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Askmarkio. That's Ask Mark I-O. And you can find my one out of five writing on <laughs> my blog at AskMark.io. And that's it. Until next time, stay productive. and and, and everything else like that classical literature. But then, hold on, like someone is outside banking um, stuff. Anyway. (laughs)